Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good. And all the time, give him one more hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. We appreciate those that have come out tonight uh, to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, we know that there's different kinds of weather going on outside, but we're glad that for those who um, braid that and come to the house of God, we want to um, thank those that are, are watching on the live stream. We welcome you as well, and uh, we hope that everybody receives something uh, from the word tonight, hallelujah. Uh, we uh, started talking again last week about the um, the parables of Jesus, and uh, we began to um, do that last last week in our first lesson. And um, the parables of Jesus make up a crucial part of the four gospels. Uh, the life of Christ, <coughs> and although, although we have studied some of the parables before, some of you will probably remember we've studied um, some of them before. I think it uh, that it's uh, it will be advantageous for us to go back and pick up some jewels we didn't deal with the first time around, and uh, we began that in the opening lesson last week. And um, what I'm wanting to do is dig down a little bit further. We are not um, just rehashing something that we uh, we talked about before, but and we're bringing you something new uh, during the course of this lesson, a uh, series of lessons, and um, we want to continue to do so. Jesus had the wisdom to simplify the profound spiritual truths he needed to share with humanity in the form of relatable stories that are easy to understand. A parable is a tale about a simple, common subject to illustrate a deeper, valuable, and moral lesson. The source definition of the word parable means a placement side by side for the purpose of comparison. Jesus took natural things uh, that people were acquainted with uh, and he placed it side by side with a spiritual aspect. Uh, and of course, Jesus was the greatest teacher who ever lived. And 90% of his teaching was done in parables. So um, this is not a waste of time uh, in going back and studying the parables because uh, since parables was close to the heart of Jesus, by studying these, we get to know him a little bit more and what he was all about and what his teaching is all about. And tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the parable. We're going to be talking about the parable of the sower uh, this evening, um, and this parable uh, is found in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. John did not record it, 
but it's uh, found in Matthew 13, 1 through 23. You'll find it again in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Uh, and then in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. Uh, so you'll find the parable of the sower in three different places, three out of the four Gospels. Now, Jesus spoke the parable of the sower to teach how important the state of our heart is to receiving the gospel and how our salvation is proved by our choices and actions after hearing the gospel. Amen. Um, the scriptures teach that faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. The book of Romans, the 10th chapter, tells us that. But just hearing alone is not going to do the work. Amen. Uh, just hearing won't do the, do, do the work. How we respond to what we hear is the litmus test on whether or not we will benefit from what we hear. Amen. Do I hope you understand, and I'm going to repeat that. How we respond to what we hear is a litmus test on whether or not we will benefit from what we hear. Uh, I'll think about another scripture where James said, Be ye doers of the word, and not just hearers only. So just hearing, faith does come by hearing. That's the way it comes. Hearing the word of God. Uh, but it don't come by that alone. It rests on how we respond to what we hear. And so we're going to go back and talk about the parable of the sower, and we're going to see how different people respond to what they hear. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, uh, we're going to read that. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. You know, let me stop right there. That's always amazed me. Jesus had thousands of people that followed him in, uh, in the beginning. How, how in the world we think we can't do nothing with all kind, without all kind of speakers and loud systems? How in the world did all that many people hear Jesus when he talked? Think about it. Here was a multitude of people. <coughs> and Brother Douglas, so many of them, he gets in this small boat and has them to pull out a little way from the shore so he's... Get this, in, get this picture in your mind. He's away from, from the land. He's out away from the shore. I don't know how far he was. But he sat out in the boat, and all the people gathered around on the bank, and he taught them. And that's, uh, uh, that's where the parable of the sower came in. Uh, 
And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has, has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, not all can hear. Not all has ears to hear. And we're going to stop right there. And I want to, uh, I want to break down a little bit of what we have, have read. On what just we have read already, here is a just a brief, first of all, analysis that I've come up with. The first type of ground, now what we're going to be talking about this um, in the sower, of four different types of ground that the sower sowed the seed on. The first type of ground was hard ground that had not been broken up. That's what it meant by, by the wayside. It, was, it wasn't sold in the furrow down the line that had been plowed up, but this seed was scattered and it went out outside and um, the seed could not grow but became snatched up instantly. The second type of ground was stony ground. The seed was able to plant and it began to grow. However, it could not grow deep roots and withered in the sun because it lacked moisture. The third type of ground was thorny ground, Jesus said. And although the seed could plant and grow, it could not complete, compete, excuse me, could not compete with the amount of thorns that overtook it and choked it out. And the fourth ground was good soil that allowed the seed to plant deep and grow strong and produce much fruit. Do you know that's God's aim for each and every one of us? God did not save me or you just to sit on a pew and be a pew warmer. Uh, we are to go out and bring forth much fruit, the Bible says. Um, so Jesus used <clears throat> this parable to explain to his disciples 
how there are different responses to the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, I told you, it's just not good enough for you to hear, but how do you respond to what you hear? The sower in the parable is Jesus, and the seed is the word of God. (coughs) For us today, it's the Bible when we teach it or preach to somebody or just be out and be a witness in your everyday life. The hard ground, and I'm taking this slow, I want you to get this, especially if anybody's taking notes. But the first, by the wayside, representing the hard ground, represents someone with a hardened heart full of sin that hears the word of God but does not comprehend it. Uh, Jesus explains the parable a little bit further on down. We didn't get that far to read it, but uh, didn't they uh, comprehend? Why can't they comprehend? Why can't they understand it? Because the hard ground, the seed by the wayside, someone with a hardened heart full of sin that hears the word of God but does not comprehend it. They have no conviction and shame over their sin because they never understand the value of the opportunity that they have. They think they know more than the teacher or the sower, the one doing the sowing. You know, it amazes me how people just... uh, just flaunt their sin today. I mean, right out in the open, they don't care anymore. I mean, I can remember a time when people who who who, who was involved with seeing the things in the world, they they at least try to keep it under wraps. But it's not that way no more. It's not that way no more. Now. Uh, when I think about this, my mind goes to John's gospel where he gives his great dissertation on the Word. You remember John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Uh, if you've got John 1, 4, and 5, put it up there. Notice what it says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, Jesus gave his own explanation of the sower. He said that those that fell by the wayside was birds and the fowl came by and snatched it up. Uh, See, because they didn't understand it. They didn't comprehend it. The reason why they didn't comprehend it or uh, or didn't didn't understand it. When we consider the parable, the seed falling by the wayside, which would be hardened, unfollowed ground. Follow me now. Unfollowed ground. That's ground that's not broken up. Now, what does that mean spiritually? Unfollowed ground. I think of the Old Testament prophet who told Israel. I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah. He said, break up your fallow ground. 
Break up your fallow ground. The ground represents the heart. That is not broken up. It's hard and unrepented. So, somebody who's not really repented is not going to understand what the Word of God is trying to say to them. Hallelujah. They're just not going to perceive that. And, uh, uh, and their heart gets hardened. Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. But after thy hardness, there you go, an impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There's a lot of people in this world today because judgment is not falling on on them right now. Judgment is not coming down upon them. Everything's cool, and they're getting by. But notice what this scripture, because of your hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up unto yourself wrath against that day. You ain't getting by with nothing. It's just building up. <clears throat> and by the time judgment day comes, you're going to, I mean, you talk about having something built up that you're going to have to take care of. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. So uh, that's the seed by the wayside. Uh, now, let's talk about the next analogy, uh, the stony ground. The stony ground is someone who shows interest and awareness of the gospel, yet his heart isn't fully grounded in the faith so that when trouble comes, his faith is not strong enough to stand. Those people don't take the time to make an effort to allow themselves to be grounded firmly in the faith. Jesus said, They'll spring up, but, but when the sun comes out, he said they wither because they lack moisture. They, they, they don't have the root system. Now, we, we did a lesson, a series on that not long ago. Do you remember about being rooted? Hallelujah. Well, this goes right along with that. The stony ground is someone who shows interest and awareness of the gospel when they hear it. Yet their heart is not fully grounded in the faith so that when trouble comes, his faith is not strong enough to stand. Listen to Pastor Close here. These people don't take the time or make an effort to allow themselves to be grounded firmly in the faith. They never mature. They're always in the, on the same spiritual level. And what, what are they doing? Brother Cal, they're slowly dying on the vine. They're slowly dying on the vine because they're not getting the new spiritual nutrients that they need. Uh, that makes me think of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul writing. 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height. There's that word comprehend again up there. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So there you go right there. Amen. Uh, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. You see, if you don't get rooted in Christ, you're not going to comprehend. You're not going to understand. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. There are too many people just so wishy-washy. Just leave that scripture up right there for a minute. They're up and down, in and out. Come on, somebody. They, they never get settled. They don't take serious time to get themselves established in the truth. Uh, and they're the ones... They're the ones who's always ready to give up, throw up their hands and quit and walk away when trouble's coming. I guarantee you, if you live long enough, trouble comes to everybody. Just because you're a Christian don't mean you ain't going to have problems. Hallelujah. But that's why you've got to be established. That's why you've got to be rooted so when they do come, not if they come, but when they do come, you got something to hold on to. You got something that'll be an anchor to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's 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 take it just a little bit, a um, little bit, a uh, little bit further. Uh, so getting rooted and built up in Him. Let's talk now, uh, I'm going to quickly uh, uh, talk about the thorny ground. My time is beginning to run short here. The thorny ground, uh, some seed fell among thorny ground, the Bible says. The thorny ground is a person who receives the gospel, but who has many other idols, listen to what I'm saying, idols, and distractions in life. They got the worries, the riches, and the lust of the world, which take over their mind and heart, and they can't sell out completely to God. Hallelujah. 
that can't sell out completely to God. Uh, we're getting a little feedback here on our, our mic here. Um, this person, he wants God. He likes what he feels when he comes to church. But his heart is divided. And he can't let go of all the other things to make God number one in his life. I mean, he, 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 he believes in God. He likes what he feels. But he's, he's straddled the fence. There's too many things he's still trying, he or she's trying to hold on to and hold on to God at the same time, and that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. Hallelujah. They got a divided heart. They can't let go of the other things to make God number one in their life. And I'm telling everybody right now, if God can't be one and only, he's not going to be any. He's not going to be any. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 21. But take heed to yourself lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day comes upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, it mentions drunkenness and carousing. People say, well, you know, I don't do that. But like Sister Marjorie testified a while ago, sin is sin. You might not never take a drink of nothing in your life and still die lost. Amen. Amen. It, it mentions also the cares of this life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Listen to me. Anybody who desires to hold on to Jesus but can't let go of the world, you're double-minded. But God's Word's got something to say about being double-minded as well. James 1 and 8. What does James 1 and 8 uh, say? Uh, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And then James 4, 8 and 10, drawn out of God and he will draw nigh unto you, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What are you saying, Brother Sam? I'm saying you've got to make up your mind if you're going to serve, the, serve God or the world. Draw out of God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Hallelujah. So, uh, as I said, 
a lot of people that ain't got no, nothing to do with the drinking and crowds that are running around like that. But uh, some people, some people can't learn to to balance out just plain simple things in life like a career or this thing or that thing. Anything that you put ahead of God's an idol. Amen. Glory to God. If you ain't, if if you get up every morning and you put on white blue jeans and wear a white shirt and you go out with a a, a paintbrush in your back pocket and you're and you're a painter and you put that ahead of the house of God and always putting that first, you're in the same category as a drunkard or those carousing. Woo, it's tight, but it's right. Hallelujah. We got to learn to balance out. A lot of things. A lot of things are not sins, but we got to we got to balance things out. We got to learn who our what our priorities are. Hallelujah. So the thorns that spring up choke out the good, uh, the weeds in somebody's life. I know what it is to have a weed take over your garden. Yeah, if you got you if you got weeds coming up and you don't clear them out, you're not going to have a good garden. You ain't going to have a good crop. Hallelujah! I like those big old fat juicy Bradley tomatoes myself. But if you don't if you don't keep keep them. Weeded. Now I know I know some of y'all millennials don't know what I'm talking here, but not only keep them weeded, but keep the tomato plant suckered. You ain't gonna have the big juicy tomatoes. There's certain parts that spring up on those tomatoes that you need to walk out there from time to time and pinch off. All the, they ain't gonna produce nothing. All they're going to do is take the nutrients from the other parts of the plant that's going to produce the fruit. Hallelujah. That's what I mean by suckering them. Hallelujah. We have to do those things. Then finally, the good soil, and I'm not going to linger because that, that is just, everybody knows the good soil is someone who has heard and received the word of God and allows it to take root and grows in his life. This person represents true salvation that hears God's word and bears good fruit. Jesus told him in John, he said, every branch in me that brings forth fruit, he's going to purge it so it can bring forth more fruit. Hallelujah. So that's the parable of the sower. 